this morning like to bring to you a sermon titled boasting in the cross boasting in the cross turn with me to the book of galatians galatians chapter 6 i'm hoping that this morning we will be able to finish up this book of galatians we have managed to um we've managed to get through it from the first chapter and now we've come to the final passage and um it is indeed a great blessing to be able to sit through the preaching of god's word especially in an expository manner from the first chapter of a book to the last chapter and um this morning it's with great joy that i bring to you god's word from galatians chapter 6 verse 11 to the end galatians 6 11 to 18 i'm going to read the whole chapter but then the sermon this morning will come from verse 11 to verse 18 turn with me to galatians chapter 6 hear the word of god Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who will force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are, who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world." For neither circumcision accounts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let's pray. 
Father, we bow before you and we ask for, for help. We ask for help to hear your word. We ask for help uh, to hear faithful preaching of your word. We thank you because you're kind to us. And you do not only give us food for our stomachs, you also give us food for our souls. We pray this morning that your word would accomplish the purposes for which you send it. That our hearts would be like the fertile soil, fertile ground, so that it may receive a bountiful harvest from the preaching of your word. Help me as I communicate your word to these dear ones that I wouldn't give them my own philosophies but that uh, I would proclaim your word simply and clearly for the edification of all who are here if there is anyone here who does not know Christ we pray that you would be merciful to save them through your word grant that the spirit of God would use the word of God to reveal to us the son of God May your name be glorified here this morning and forevermore. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, we, we turn now to the last passage of this epistle to the Galatians from the Apostle Paul. And as we come to the end of this book, the question that, we, uh, that, that should be in our minds right now is the same question that we should have had when we were starting the book. And that question is, why did the Apostle Paul write this epistle to the Galatians? Why did he write this book? His main concern was the false teachers who were creeping in the church. And we've constantly seen how the false teachers have sought to uh, turn upside down and, and, and really change the gospel. Um, uh, and so we, we see in chapter 1, as Paul starts off, uh, he rebukes the false teachers. He says that if anyone brings a gospel contrary to the one that they, they received before, if they are an angel, if they are an apostle, whoever they may be, let them be a cast if they are changing the gospel. The apostle Paul was also, uh, 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 in this book, as we've, as we've gone through it, very clear about how we are saved. He's saved, he said to us that salvation is by the grace of God. He's put an emphasis, uh, he's hit the nail on the head and he said, no one can be saved uh, uh, by the works of the law, Galatians 2.15. And he said that we are justified by faith alone and it is in Christ alone. And this we have seen constantly and clearly in this book. Now, the Apostle Paul feels the need to emphasize these things as he finishes the book um what it is that matters most and this is what we are uh, going to consider <clears throat> this is what i want to submit to you this morning as the cross of christ and i pray that this this morning and every day of our lives we will all boast in the cross of jesus christ that nothing or no one will occupy our hearts and our thoughts more than the cross of christ uh, that there will be no competition from any other place. That our boast will be in the cross of Christ. 
that the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ will, will take preeminence in our hearts, that it will take the preeminent place in our boasting, that when we boast, we boast in the cross. I'd like, like us to see four things from the passage before us this morning. Like us to see, number one, the Apostle Paul's burden for the cross from verse 11. Like us to see the Apostle Paul's battle for the cross from verse 12 to 13. Like us to see the Apostle Paul's boast in the cross from verse 14 to 16. And then from verse 17 to 18, I'd like us to see the Apostle Paul's bearing for the cross. Number one, the Apostle Paul's burden for the cross. Verse 11. Look with me at verse 11. It says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. But then most of, most of these letters that the Apostle Paul wrote were dictated. He, he dictated them and then someone was writing them down. Let's have a uh, New Testament history lesson a bit. So he, he wrote 13 inspired epistles in all of the New Testament. And then 12 of these New Testament epistles he dictated. He, um, he, he, he dictated and then someone wrote them down. Um, three of those 12 uh, when it comes to the end of the letter, um, having dictated all the other chapters, he writes the last verses with his own hands. So he has written 13 letters. And then out of these 13 letters, 12 of these 13 letters, he's dictated. So someone is writing them down. And then three out of these 12, when it comes to the end, in the final final verses, he writes he writes the last verses with his own hand. So the last few verses, he would write down with his own hand as authentication, as proof in the eyes of the church that he is the author of those books. These three books that he, he writes the last three verses, or, or, or the, the last verses really, are 1 Corinthians, Colossians, and 2 Thessalonians. But then there's only one book that Paul did not dictate. There's only one book that he wrote with his own hand. He penned down himself. And this is the epistle to the Galatians, which we are considering. This does show the burden for the cross that the apostle Paul had. Paul, in this book, is very serious. He is as serious as a heart attack. He, he, he explains, he, he gets right into it and, uh, and, and he explains the nature of our salvation. He, in this letter, explains the substitutionary sin-bearing death of Christ. Look with me in chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. He tells us that Christ gave himself for our sins. He shows us there the substitutionary, sin-bearing death of Christ. Go with me to chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We see there that Christ, the Apostle Paul says that Christ gave himself for, for us. The substitutionary sin bearing death of Jesus Christ. Go to chapter 3 verse 13. In chapter 3 verse 13 we read, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. We see there that Christ became a curse for us, the substitutionary sin-bearing death of Christ. And then lastly, see from chapter 4, verse 4 to 5, that Christ redeems those who are under the law. We, we read there that, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so we see there that uh, Christ redeems those who are under the law, showing the substitutionary sin-bearing death of Christ. And, and, and when Paul is saying in chapter 6, verse 11, that he's, he's with large letters writing this to them with his own hand, he's showing the importance of the, the death of Christ. He's showing the seriousness of this matter of salvation. The death of Christ is at the epicenter. It's, it's at the core of the Apostle Paul's message. This is his burden. And this is why he's writing with large letters. This is what we, who are believers, should all be burdened for. The cross of Christ. Giving up our loved ones is for this. Being imprisoned is for this. Being hated is for this. This is the most important thing in the Christian life, the cross of Christ. This is what the preacher should be passionate about. Stephen Lawson says that a preacher who will not preach is like a barber who will not cut hair. The preacher should be concerned for the cross of Christ. And this is what we see burdening the Apostle Paul this morning. This is what we, we, are, we are all about. And this, it is what the Apostle Paul is writing with large letters. He's not only writing with, with, with large letters, he's writing with his own, with his own hand. Here in, in verse 11, we see the, the burden which makes him write this epistle. Number two, like us to see the Apostle Paul's battle for the cross from verse 12 and 13. The Apostle Paul's battle for the cross. There is here a battle to preserve the truth. He is here referring to the Judaizers who, who say that the cross is not enough, that it is not sufficient for, for salvation, and that works must be added, circumcision must be added, that circumcision is necessary. And because they, they were adding these works, they were therefore nullifying the sufficiency of the cross. And this is what the Apostle Paul will not allow. He will not allow, he will go into battle for this very thing. That the cross of Christ is sufficient. He is getting, getting into battle for this very reason. That the cross of Christ is of utmost importance. Look with me in verse 12. He says, it is those who, who want to make a good showing in the flesh would force you to be circumcised and only 
in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And so we see these Judaizers who have been perverting the gospel and adding to the gospel, we are told that they are not willing to be persecuted. We, we read there in verse 12 that they, they add circumcision so that they would not be persecuted. They want to be popular and prestigious and accepted. They want to be famous. As we know of men and women, inappropriately, women should, shouldn't be pastors. But anyways, that's not the point. But as we know from the preachers of the day, they want to, they want to appease and please the, the, the ear of their listeners. They want to preach something else contrary to the, the gospel and the cross of Christ so that they, they, they will not be persecuted, so they will not be hated. And we see here that the Judaizers are not willing to be persecuted. They, 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 they want to be famous and prestigious and, and popular with their, their, their listeners. So then they, they pull away from the preaching of the cross, this bloody cross of Christ, this powerful cross as we know it, because it's, it's the power of God for salvation, the gospel. If they were to preach the self-dying, law-renouncing, works-forsaking, sin-bearing, repentance-demanding, wrath-absorbing, pride-crushing cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, then they would be persecuted. If they would preach this cross of Christ, they would inevitably be persecuted. People would not want to hear them. There are preachers who want everybody's applause. Unfortunately, you not find them here um, at Trinity Reformed Baptist Church. We, we hope to bring to you the cross of Christ. There are preachers who would not preach the offense of the cross because the gospel is offensive, my dear friends. And the Apostle Paul says, far be it from him, as we will see later on, to preach, to boast in anything else other than the cross. You know, the, the gospel is offensive. The message of the cross is offensive. Why? Why is it offensive? It, it, the cross says that you and I are guilty before God for our sins. The cross says you and I cannot save ourselves by our own efforts. And so therefore it becomes offensive to the ears of a sinner. The cross says that God hates our sins. That God is, is angry with the sinner every day. The cross says that God cannot fellowship with those who are in their sins. That our sins have been judged by God in Christ. That we must believe upon Christ or we remain lost forever. The cross says that we are all hell bound. You know, the, the cross tells the sinner, you, you will go to hell if you do not repent of your sins. The cross says there is no other way under heaven to be saved. The cross says that Christianity is the only way. The gospel is the only way. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is what the cross says. The cross says that this is the only way of salvation for anyone in this planet. The cross says that every other religion, every other philosophy, and every other teaching of every other religion is false and will lead people to hell. And therefore Christianity, as I have told you before, claims exclusivity. Christians say Christ is the way and he is the only way. There is no other way. And this, this is offensive. The Judaizers will not preach this. They will add circumcision so that people will, will be happy with them. Paul will not have this. 
God, in his righteous judgment, has determined that the just penalty for sin is death, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Uh, we read this in Hebrews 9.22. All this to say that there is only one way of salvation. There is only one way to be forgiven of our sins. It's through the blood shedding sin, absorbing death of Christ upon the cross. And this is what the Apostle Paul is willing to boast in. He will not boast in anything else. He will boast in the cross. No wonder the Apostle Paul is so worked up about this. No wonder the Apostle Paul writes this with his own hand. He is concerned for the cross. This Judaizer has avoided persecution by not preaching the cross. Now, if we want to be popular with the world, we won't preach the cross. If you, if you want to be popular with the world, don't tell them of their, their sins and of the uh, sin-bearing death of Christ upon the cross. If you, want, if, you, if you want to be accepted by people, your family members, your friends, you, you, you want them to be happy with you, don't tell them that they are sinners. Don't preach to them about the cross of Christ. If you want to be applauded by unbelievers, you want unbelievers to be happy with you, you know, to love you, don't tell them of the cross of Christ. If you want to be socially accepted and to, to have friends, you know, some of you are in the university and you want to, you want to be popular, you, want to, you, you don't want people to abandon you or people to look at you in a, in a funny way. If that's what you want, then don't tell them of Christ. Don't tell them of the cross. If you, want, if you want your family members to be happy with you and never to have an issue with you, don't tell them of the cross of Christ. But if you're going to tell them of the cross, if you're going to boast in the cross, then you should expect persecution. And this is what the, the, the uh, uh, Judaizers would not have. Look with me at verse 13. Verse 13 says, For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. We have here a case of hypocrisy. You know, the legalists were lawless. You know, legalists are these people who want to keep the law, hoping that God will, will, will be pleased with them and then will save them. This is what the Pharisees did. This is what the Judaizers did. They added circumcision. But then the text there tells us, even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. Now, the legalists were lawless. They boasted, boasted about circumcision because uh, they thought it made them more righteous. But getting circumcised also meant that they had to keep God's whole law. You know, if we go to chapter, go with me to chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 3. The problem with that was, of course, no one, no one is able to keep the whole law. It says there in verse 3, I testify again to you, <clears throat> verse 3 says I testify again to you uh, sorry I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law and so the, 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 the law cannot be kept in its entirety and we've con constantly seen this as we've gone through the, the book of Galatians Look at, look at um, verse, verse, verse 10 of chapter 5. 
Sorry, I think I've missed missed that pass. All who, all who, yeah, it's chapter 3, sorry. Verse 10 of chapter 3 says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, curse is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, the Judaizers wanted to um, act as if they could keep the whole law by demanding circumcision. But then Paul tells us in uh, going back to chapter 6, verse 13, that those who, those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. The problem with the law is not the law, really. As we've, as we've seen, as, as we've gone on, the law is not bad. The law is good. The law belongs to God. God has given the law. The problem with the law is sin. The law comes to expose our sin. When we... Uh, when we read the law of God, that's when we know of our sinfulness. And so the law saves only those who keep it. And unfortunately, no one is able to keep the law perfectly. And so they required circumcision, yet they would not keep the law themselves. They wanted to boast in the flesh, having no idea what the gospel is all about. The Apostle Paul, therefore, is denouncing the false teachers who corrupt the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's exposing them. Go with me to chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 8. He says there, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, verse 9, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now, if that sounds harsh and rough and tough and strict, it's because it is. It is, it is harsh. It is tough. It is serious. It is absolutely essential and critical that the purity of the gospel, that the cross of Christ be proclaimed in all its purity. And so Paul is in these two verses, verse 12 and 13 of chapter 6, engaging in a battle. He's saying that uh, 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 these Judaizers should not be listened to. They are perverting the gospel. Number three, I'd like you to see the Apostle Paul's boasting in the cross from verse 14 to 16. The Apostle Paul's boasting in the cross. Look with me at verse 14. Verse 14 says, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Now the, the cross... The cross was like the electric chair of the first century. It was, it was an in instrument of torture and shame, uh, 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 an instrument of, of horror um, and humiliation. When someone was crucified, they, they were humiliated. They were, you know, they were tortured. 
It was reserved for the worst of the of, of, of criminals of the day. Um, yet it is this cross, this this thing that is has been left for um, the worst of the criminals that the apostle Paul wants to boast in. It's it's this this shameful thing that the apostle Paul wants to boast in. Now notice that Paul did not boast in the birth of Christ. He did not boast in the teachings of Christ or the miracles of Christ or the sinless life of Christ or his bodily resurrection or even the future return of Christ, however necessary these, these things are. He did not boast in them. But what did he boast in? He boasted in the cross of Christ. He boasted and gloried in the cross of Christ. This, this term boasting is, is our English term for the, for the Greek word but it doesn't have a clear connotation because there's a sense in which boasting has a negative effect to it. But then what it means is glorying in, trusting in, uh, 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 rejoicing in, loving the cross of Christ. He did not boast because he was circumcised on the eighth day or because he was of the people of Israel or because he was of the tribe of Benjamin or because he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, or because he was a Pharisee as to the law, or because he was a persecutor of the church, or because as to righteousness under the law, the Apostle Paul was blameless. As we find in Philippians 3, however these things are true, he didn't boast in them. What did he boast in? He boasts in the cross of Christ. He glories in the cross of Christ. The, the cross is the only object of is and should be the only object of our boasting. We are to boast in the cross. We are to glory in the cross. And that's what we've just sung right now. In the cross, be my glory ever. We glory in the cross of Christ. The, the cross here is the blood atonement of Jesus Christ as he was bearing our sins, as he was suffering under God's wrath. The cross is the only way by which our sins are washed away. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed on the cross. Where do we see the holiness of God? It's at the cross. Where do we see how God feels about sin? It's at the cross. Where do we see God's unfathomable love for men? It's at the cross. You know, sinful men do not deserve to be loved. You do not deserve God's love. What you deserve from God is His wrath. His punishment. But then we see his unfathomable love, his patience at the cross. We see his sovereignty at the cross. We see his, uh, 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 his, his hatred for sin. We see it at the cross. We see our idolatry at the cross because it's our sin that made Christ go to the cross. We know that there's a judgment day because of the cross of Christ. And it's because of these things then I appeal to you that may we never take our eyes from the cross of Christ. May we never lose the wonder of the cross of Christ. May we always boast and glory in the cross of Christ. The Apostle Paul says here that because of the cross, the world, look at, look at verse 14, the world with all its charm and allurement is dead to me. He says, 
Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You know, the world's system does not have appeal to me, the Apostle Paul says. Is this true of you? Has the world been crucified to you? Or does the world attract you or charm you? You know, the world is spiritually dead to the believer. The believer is dead to the world. The believer is severed from, cut from the world. He's separate from the world. Um, the, the cross now forms a permanent barrier between the believer and the world. Light and darkness cannot have fellowship. This is what the cross of Christ does. It forms a permanent barrier between the believer and the world, between the world and the believer. The cross has effected this separation and a radical one for that matter between the world and the believer. And it's at this point that I ask you the question, is this what has happened to you? Is there a separation between you and the world because of the cross of Christ? Have you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you been to Jesus for his cleansing power? Have you been washed by the blood of the cross? Because Paul says that it's because of the cross that the world has been crucified to him and him to the world. And we are in the world, but we are no longer of the world. It's not that we are to run to the mountains and, and, and live by ourselves there. We will forever be in this world until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. But then we are not of this world. We are to go into the world and preach the gospel to the world and saturate the world with uh, uh, the gospel message. We are to saturate the world with the, the message of Christ. We are to go into the world because we know that it is a cross that has insulated us. The cross protects us. It's, a cro it's in the cross of Christ that we are safe. And therefore we go with this message to the lost world. The cross has changed everything. What power there is in the cross of Christ. What Christ accomplished in the cross cannot be downplayed. We cannot have a gospel message without the cross of Christ. Christ has died on the cross. It is in the cross that salvation is found. There is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. And Christ has shed it upon his cross. The cross has changed everything. It has redirected the direction of the Apostle Paul. We've, we've been going through the book of Acts in the afternoon and uh, you know, uh, we've gone through the, the passage where the Apostle Paul was persecuting the church. Um, he was, he was uh, killing the Christians, uh, uh, putting them into prison, committing them to persecution. And because of the cross, the Apostle Paul and his whole mission and direction changed. He was once living for this world system, for fame, for fortune and prestige. 
But now the Apostle Paul is dead to all of that and is alive in Christ. He is alive under Christ. I ask you another question here. Is this, is this your testimony? Has Christ died for you? Have you been forgiven of your sins? Are you sure that when you die today, you will see God? I assure you that if you haven't put your trust in Christ, you will face the wrath of God. But if you put your trust in Christ, Christ crucified, God assures you eternal life for free. You repent of your sins, you put your trust in Him, and He forgives you all on the account of Christ who died on the cross. This is what we boast in. This is what we glory in. This is what we rejoice in, that Christ died on the cross. This is what the Apostle Paul is, is, is boasting in here. If you're a believer, then this is true of you because the power of the cross that comes uh, 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 to us shows us our sinfulness. If you're a believer, then this is true of you because of the power of the cross that comes crashing to everyone who believes upon Christ. If you're a believer here, then boasting in the cross should be your joy because of what Christ has done. Everything changes at the cross of Christ. It's at the foot of the cross where, <laughs> where Christian's burden was released. If you've read The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, he gives this picture of the Christian life. And he, he, he paints the picture of a, an individual by the name Christian. And Christian has this heavy burden on his shoulder. And this heavy burden is sin. And Christian wants this burden to be rid of him. He wants it to be, to be removed from him. And the only place that this burden is removed is at the cross. The cross of Christ does all this. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. All, all, all these other, other things then mean nothing. You know, because of the cross of Christ, everything else doesn't mean anything. Whether you have, whether you have them or not, they mean nothing. Whether you're circumcised or not, it's all, it means nothing. Go with me to chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore in Christ, in, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith walking through love. And that's the same thing that he says here in chapter 6, verse 15. That circumcision or uncircumcision counts for nothing, but a new creation. If we are in Christ, circumcision can do nothing to improve our standing before God. If we are not in Christ, circumcision can do nothing to save us. It has nothing to do with Christianity. You're going to church has nothing to bear before God. You're being born in a Christian family cannot save you. You're doing good things, good works cannot save you. It's only faith in Christ that grants us access to God. When we are saved, we bear good fruit. But good fruit doesn't save us. It doesn't save anyone. Doing good things doesn't do anything. 
all these all these things that we that we that people do thinking that thinking that these things will save them and do nothing to improve their standing before God what matters look at look at what 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 Paul says there in verse 15 what matters is a new creation neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision but what a new creation the inward transformation by by which the holy spirit the holy spirit turns a sinner into a new person this is the transformation we call regeneration when when god grants you the new birth you know when we say you must be born again we're not telling you to do something for yourself being born is something that is done for us right children are born children don't tell their mothers bath me now no it's their mothers and fathers who decide when they will be born. Same with the new birth. The Holy Spirit grants new life to the sinner, which is what we call regeneration. And, and Paul, in, 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 in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Anyone who is, who is born again is born by the Spirit of God, and he gets a new life. He gets a whole new life. He lives a completely and totally separated life from the world. He or she becomes a brand new creation. That's what the Apostle Paul says, says there. What matters is that you're a new creation. That's what you're to be concerned with. What matters, you see, when we go out on evangelism, what matters for those people that we preach to is not that they come to this tent. No. What matters for them is that they repent of their sins. When they come, praise the Lord. We invite them, praise the Lord. What matters is a new creation. The Apostle Paul says there, the outward sign and seal of this cosmic transformation is baptism. When we are baptized, we considered this last week, we are saying that we've died with Christ and we are rising with him. And that's symbolic of what has happened in us. But what really counts is the transformation itself. The thief on the cross with, on the left side of, of Christ was not baptized, but he went to heaven because he received the transformation. He was regenerated. And Christ tells him, today you will be with me in paradise. The inward, this inward transformation is what we, we are calling regeneration. In regeneration, the Holy Spirit makes the believer a new creature. But regener regeneration is only the beginning. A man by the name Timothy George says, that the new creation involves the whole process of conversion. The regenerating work of the Holy Spirit leading to repentance and faith. The daily process of mortification and vivification. Continual growth in holiness leading to eventual conformity to the image of Christ. The new creation implies a new nature with a new system of desires, affections and habits all wrought through the supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. So Timothy, Timothy George says. So it doesn't end at regeneration. This new creation continues on. In our desires, our desires are changed. Our affections are changed. Our habits are changed. As far as salvation is concerned, the only thing that matters is whether this change has taken place and is continuing to take place. It matters not whether a person is, is a circumcised Jew or an uncircumcised Gentile. It doesn't matter. 
what matters is whether or not a person is a regenerated Christian. What matters is, a, is whether a person is a new creature in Christ. Anyone who has not yet experienced this transformation should ask God to change him. If you haven't been regenerated here this morning, you should ask God to save you. You should cry out to God. And God says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so the only thing uh, that matters, the only thing that means anything is a new creation which comes through Jesus Christ. And there's only one way uh, to be a new creation in Christ, and it is to come to the foot of the cross, to repent of our sins, to believe upon this Christ who was crucified there, to believe upon Jesus Christ for us to become new creations, for the old to go, for the new to come, to believe upon Christ. And this, this then is what produces our boasting. That it's not in circumcision, it's not in uncircumcision, it's in the fact that God gives new life for free in Christ. Look with me at verse 16. Verse 16 there says, And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. And now this, this benediction grants uh, a peace and mercy between Jew and Gentile and mercy from God for these sinners, the Jews and the Gentiles. But notice that the blessing is conditional. It's conditional. It says peace and mercy are only for those who walk by this rule. A rule is a normal principle. In this case, what the Apostle Paul means by rule is salvation through the cross alone. Those who walk by this rule of boasting in the cross of Christ, it's those whom the benediction is pronounced, peace and mercy be upon them. For the Judaizers, circumcision was the norm. Their boasting was in circumcision. Yes, yes, you can have Christ, but really you must be circumcised. This is what the false teachers boasted in. It was the standard for determining whether people were inside or outside the family of God. Circumcision for them. But circumcision means nothing to those who, uh, to, 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 to those who are apart from the new creation. Those who are not new creations, it doesn't matter whether they are circumcised. The Christian, Christian standard is the cross of Christ. And this is, this is what we boast in. And this is, this, those who boast in the cross are the ones who, who are, are given this benediction that peace and mercy be upon you. And so the principle that determines whether one is inside or outside the family of God is not circumcision. Rather, it's Christ crucified. It's this Christ who died on the cross. Now the phrase, upon the Israel of God, look with me there, upon the Israel, it says, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God has significant implications for biblical theology. Now there are people who interpret that to mean that there are Christians on the one hand and then there are Jews on the other hand, the Israel of God. 
But then the, the blessing of peace and mercy comes from a traditional Jewish benediction. However, the Apostle Paul here uses it to refer not merely to the Jews, but to all true children of Abraham, as we have seen as we've continued to go through this book, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. It is a way of saying that the church is the new Israel, the true Israel. Uh, there is continuity between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, between the Old Testament people of God and the New Testament church. The promises that God made to Israel are fulfilled or find their fulfillment in the true spiritual Israel, the Israel of God, as the Apostle Paul calls it here, which is the church of Jesus Christ. God has one people. God doesn't have two, two people, i.e. the church and the, the Jewish Christians. No, God has one people. God has a plan A, the church. Not a, the church is not a plan B. At the, the Israelites now refused Christ and therefore now uh, God went to his plan B, which is the church. No, God has a plan A. This is very important because of the way we read the Old Testament. Um, God has one people in Christ and what, what unites them is the cross of Christ. The saints of the Old Testament were not saved differently. They looked forward to the coming of the Messiah the promised seed. We, who are saved now in the 21st century, look backwards to what Christ did on the cross. We are all saved because of the cross. We share a common boast in the cross and in the cross alone. And so all who walk by this rule and the Israel of God are not two different groups. It's very easy for us to read that phrase as two different groups. No, they're not. The connecting participle there, look look with me at verse 16. There's a participle there, and. Peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Uh, that connecting participle, and, uh, in the Greek is kai. And it can be translated even. So you can read it. Peace and mercy be upon them even upon the Israel of God. Or it can also be translated, that is, uh, peace and mercy be upon them, that is, upon the Israel of God. So I believe that the Christian church enjoys a direct continuity with God's people in the Old Testament. There is no separation, really. Those who are in Christ today are the true circumcision, as we read in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Those who are in Christ today are, according to Galatians 3, 29, Abraham's offspring. Go with me there a bit. Chapter 3, verse 29 of Galatians. It says, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Hence, the Israel of God. We can engage over uh, 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 on this over the bricks. And then finally, the last thing that I'd like to bring to you from verse 17 and 18 there is the Apostle Paul's bearing for the cross. What he went through because of the cross. Look with me at verse 17. It says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The Apostle Paul 
without a shadow of doubt, um, had wounds that he had received while being persecuted for Jesus' sake. According to 2 Corinthians 11, 23-25, he had received countless beatings, five times the 39 lashes of the Jews, three times beaten with rods and once stoned. You know, some of these sufferings may already have, have been endured before the time of his writing this epistle. The Apostle Paul went through much for Christ. Now, if you remember our study in chapter 14, the Apostle Paul went through a lot. He had already been stoned at Lystra, one of the Galatian cities, and left for dead. They stoned him until they thought he was dead, as we saw in Galatians, uh, sorry, in Acts, in Acts uh, 14. The wounds which his persecutors had inflicted on him um, had, had left permanent scars. There were permanent scars left behind. And these were the marks of Jesus, as the Apostle Paul recounts here. He doesn't want to be, he doesn't want anyone to cause him more trouble. He already bears the, uh, uh, on his body the marks of Jesus, as we read there. The marks of Jesus may, um, may seem disgraceful to the world. When, when, when you're persecuted, you know, it's, it's an embarrassing thing. But they are precious in the sight of God. When because of Christ, people hate us, it's a precious thing. When people stone us, when people ridicule us because of Christ, it's a precious thing. And the believer should rejoice and boast in this. They are so precious, in fact, that uh, on occasion the Apostle Paul prayed for the privilege of becoming so united to Christ that he would share in his sufferings. If you read Philippians 3, 10 to 11, the Apostle Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This should be the prayer of every Christian. But uh, uh, <clears throat> sharing in the, in the sufferings of Christ is especially something for the ministers of Christ because they're the ones constantly proclaiming the word of God and uh, uh, calling sinners to repentance. There's a man uh, known as G. Campbell Morgan and he, he was there when uh, before Martin Lloyd-Jones, for, for you who know Lloyd-Jones, and he said that it is the crucified man that can preach the cross. Said Thomas, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, I will not believe. So what Thomas said of Christ, the world is saying of the church about the church. And the world is, is, is also saying this to every preacher. Unless I see in your hands the print of the nails, I will not believe. It is true. It is the man who has died with Christ that can preach the cross of Christ. It's the man who's seen the cross of Christ. It's the man who's, 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 who's there for Christ that can preach Christ. It's the man who is willing to be persecuted for Christ that can preach this cross. 
It's the man who knows Christ that can preach the cross of Christ. However, boasting in the cross is not just for preachers. It's for you who is listening to me this afternoon. You who is a Christian, suffering for Christ is not only for the preacher. It's for you who is seated here this afternoon, who is a believer. Every Christian who has died with Christ must live for the cross of Christ. The Apostle Paul is saying here that see my example. I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And therefore, this is my boast in the cross of Christ. Finally, there in verse 18, he says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And in if you go back to chapter 1, verse 3, the Apostle Paul began this letter with his customary salutation of grace and peace. You know, and he went ahead. Go with me to chapter 1, verse 3. There as we, as we conclude. In chapter 1, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this was, this was his custom. This is how he saluted his people. And so he, 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 he went ahead to express his astonishment uh, because these are people who've received the grace of God, the peace of God in Christ. And then they are quickly, so quickly, deserting the God who called him in this grace of Christ. If you, if you read there in chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly turning away, deserting the God who called you in the grace of Christ. And it's, this, it's, it's in this same, same breath that he's telling them here as he finishes the book, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You know, it's, there, it's, it's, it's the same breath that he says there in verse 16. Peace and mercy be upon these who depend on the cross of Christ. Indeed, the whole letter is dedicated to uh, the theme of God's grace. God is a gracious God, my friends. God forgives. Even when you don't deserve to be forgiven. If you're a Christian here this afternoon, you know that. You know that what you deserve is hell. Yet God is a gracious God. And therefore, the grace of God, as it were, the Apostle Paul gives it to his people. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The unmerited favor of God to sinners is seen here in the grace of God. So then the Apostle Paul ends on this note. The grace of God be with your spirit. Now the, the authentic Christian gospel is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a gospel of grace. We cannot preach the gospel without giving people the grace of God. That God is willing to give that which is not deserved in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel preacher should bear on, on himself the marks of Christ. Of course, this is for all God's people. The Apostle Paul bore the marks of Jesus on his body and the grace of Jesus in his spirit. And this is what he's giving to his people. This is what he's giving to, to the Christians. 
as he's writing to them this letter. He desired the same for his readers, the marks of Jesus and the grace of Jesus, the grace of God in Jesus. In conclusion, I'd like to say that without the cross, my dear friends, we have no hope. With the cross, we have tremendous hope. Without the cross, we are outside of the kingdom of God. You see, everyone is not a child of God. It's those who put their trust in Christ, the one who was crucified on the cross, who are children of God, who've been given the right to be called the children of God, to call God Abba, Father. Now, without the cross, we are outside the kingdom of God. With the cross, on the other hand, we are in the kingdom of God. We trust that God has accepted us because of the cross of Christ. And it is this that we boast in. Without the cross, my friends, we are nothing. And all we should wait for is death and damnation. With the cross, on the, contra on the contrary, we are everything. We have everything. We have Christ. We have the Savior. We have the Redeemer. We have the ransomer, the, the, one who, the one who takes all our sins away with the cross. Without the cross, we are dead. Dead in our trespasses. Dead and we cannot save ourselves. With the cross on the other hand, we are alive. We are free. We, we read there in, in chapter 5 verse 1, for freedom. Christ has set us free. With the cross, we are alive. We are alive not only now, we are alive for all eternity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. With the cross, we have everlasting life. And everlasting life begins now. We are not afraid of death. When we die, we know that we, we, we will go to be with Christ. For to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And all this is possible because of the cross of Christ. I pray that this afternoon, and every day of our lives really, we will all boast in the cross of Christ. That nothing or no one will occupy our hearts and our thoughts than the cross of Christ as we saw when we were beginning. That there will be no competition from any other place. That we would boast in the cross of Christ. That the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ will take the preeminent place in our boasting. That our boasting will be in the cross. In the cross, there our glory would be until we see God, until we see Christ face to face that we will boast in the cross. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we bow before you this afternoon. How thankful we are for the cross, uh, for the cross, the cross of Christ. Forbid it, Lord, that we should boast in anything else other than in the cross of Christ. 
grant that if there are some here who are boasting in other things other than the cross of Christ, that this someone would communicate to them, that your word would be plain to them, that they would boast in nothing else other than the cross, and, and really help, help all of us to boast in the cross of Christ, to glory in the cross of Christ, to rejoice in the cross of Christ, and that this would have an impact in the way that we live. Be glorified, God, in all things. Help us now and forevermore. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.